Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror, pop culture related. So go check it out while you're listening to this episode and read what they have to offer in terms of interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, retrospectives, introspectives, whatever you want, they have it. Now today's episode brings us back to yet another dark history event, or even a true crime event, whichever you prefer. Now in May of 2014, the unthinkable happened. Two girls obsessed with an internet monster took things a little too far, and in the name of this fictional story, they lured and stabbed their best friend in the woods of Waukesha, Wisconsin, 19 times. This is the story of the Slender Man Stabbings. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Yes, as I mentioned, in May 2014, two girls by the names of Anissa Walker and Morgan Geyser decided to show their loyalty to the great and mighty Slenderman, which was also an attempt to prove he was real in the most notorious and vile of ways. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. You may or may not have heard of the case. Hell, you may not even know who Slenderman is. So, let's start there. Have you ever heard of a creepypasta? At the very least, you've probably heard the term thrown around before. The long and short of it is that people create a sort of online urban legend through storytelling. Sometimes they make it seem like it was an experience they had, or as if it happened to a friend of a friend. You know, the typical urban legend affair. There have been some classics to come from these creepypastas. Jeff the Killer, Ben Drowned, and, of course, Slenderman. Although it does have origins in a different part of the internet. The tall, thin, faceless man in a suit was first introduced to the world by one Eric Knudsen, aka Victor Surge, on the Something Awful forums. This entire cultural phenomenon was spawned due to an online Photoshop contest in which people were tasked with creating a paranormal image. Something that would make the unawares skin to crawl. The picture itself was unnerving, to say the least. It featured black and white images of children either being stalked or interacting with the enormously tall and terribly thin being in a suit with multiple arms or tentacles. It's disturbing, to say the least. And they feel very real, especially when you add in the bits of text he added. Like how somebody might jot a note on the back of a photo to commemorate a memory or an event. Quote, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. End quote. 1983. Photographer unknown. Presumed dead. Another quote equally as creepy reads, One of two photographs from the Sterling City Library Blaze. Notable for being taken the day 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. 
deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986. Photographer Mary Thomas. Missing since June 13th, 1986. Now, for the first time, we have a name. Though, from what I can tell, it's a name of pure fiction. Well, when associated with Slenderman. I'm sure there's a Mary Thompson out there somewhere, but again, it just adds that little bit of extra something, a little bit of realism to the myth. Again, remember, this is just an online contest. Knudsen, or Surge, whatever you want to call him, drew inspiration from various pop culture themes, ranging from H.P. Lovecraft to Stephen King. The style of Slenderman was drawn almost directly from the tall man from Phantasm. So, if you haven't heard of Slendy before, just picture the tall man but with a blank, white egg-shaped head and tentacles. From the original picture spawned a near-popular culture empire. After the contest, a group of filmmakers went out and created an online series called Marble Hornets. What starts off as, like a student film, quickly yet methodically devolves into a film within a film. The director begins losing his mind, becoming aggressive, etc. Granted, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm sure more happens and I'm neglecting to mention some very important details. But what is in the film is that the crew starts being stalked by a tall, suit-wearing, faceless man. It's truly an internet masterpiece. And what makes him more impressive is that it was all done before the YouTube craze, and making things go viral was that much harder to do. Of course, the height of the Slender Man phenomena comes from one specific medium, in my opinion anyway, video games. Not only has Slendy been referenced in Minecraft with the Enderman character, which is a black humanoid creature that floats and disappears, it has spawned its own indie game franchise as well. Slender The Eight Pages is a first-person survival horror game where the player takes control of a person dropped in the middle of the woods. There isn't a whole lot of instruction here other than to wander around. Eventually you come across a sheet of paper pinned to a tree or on a car or somewhere. Then you feel a sense of unease. But it's just a game, so you keep going. Slowly but surely you find more pages, and the atmosphere becomes more tense. The camera your character is looking through gets more and more distorted at times, until, eventually, you turn a corner and you're met with a faceless figure jump-scaring the crap out of you. It's good times. But thanks to YouTubers like PewDiePie and Markiplier, the game and the legend really took off. Well, perhaps it's the other way around. Maybe it was a symbiotic relationship. The YouTubers needed the game to become famous and the game needed them to get the folkloric stature that it now has. Eh, who knows? It's a little beside the point anyway. The legend grew to such a staggering prominence that not only were indie game companies making games and low-budget films being produced, but Sony and Screen Gems decided to make a terrible film featuring Slenderman back in 2018. Now, something about that doesn't sit quite right with me for a couple of reasons. First, this is the internet beast. It belongs to those who troll the forums and spend hours sifting through creepypastas and YouTube videos. And then a huge corporation puts a trademark stamp on it. Like, they own it. Like, they came up with it. It's a bit of a pet peeve of mine, but it's not the main reason I'm so upset about this film. Sony making a big-budget feature about the Slender Man is not just a violation of the internet, but it's in terrible taste, 
due to what happened in 2014, just four years prior to the movie's release. On May 31st of that year, 2014, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser told their best friend Peyton Lutner to meet them in the woods in their neighborhood. Of course, she went and met them. Why wouldn't she? There was no way she could have seen what was coming. There was no way her two best friends in the whole world would ambush her and stab her 19 times, leaving her for dead. There was no way she could have predicted that her friends would do this to appease a fictional internet monster, but they did. It's uncertain how long Peyton lay there bleeding out, especially since her friends seemingly seemed remorseful, telling her to lay still so she wouldn't bleed as fast. They told her that they would go to get help. It must have been a spark of hope for poor Peyton, but as she lay there with 19 wounds all over her body, she soon realized they weren't coming back. She was indeed left for dead. Yet, somehow, some way, this 12-year-old girl found the immeasurable strength to crawl through the woods to the road where a cyclist spotted her and called an ambulance. Poor Peyton, but strong as a bloody ox Peyton, spent the better part of a week in hospital while she recovered, which she eventually did. Of the 19 stab wounds, several went through major organs, such as her liver and stomach, and one narrowly missed an artery near her heart by less than a millimeter. Her bravery and determination are truly the things of legend. Screw Slenderman and his antics, this 12-year-old girl, 12 years old, survived being stabbed 19 times. Let that sink in. Now that that's sunk in enough, Where's her folktale? That's what I want to know. She even returned to school that September. But what of Anissa and Morgan? Well, if it wasn't obvious, they were caught. They were picked up by police near Interstate 94, close to a hardware store. The knife they'd used was still on them, in one of their bags. During the interrogation, it was reported that Morgan felt no empathy whatsoever. She was blank and emotionless throughout pretty much all of it. From the stabbing to the investigation, and through the trial. Anissa, on the other hand, did seem remorseful, saying that she felt bad for stabbing Peyton, and that she really didn't want to, but she needed to in order to appease the Slender Man. Sometime during these young girls' lives, they were influenced by a fascinating tale they read online. They became fanatical, with one of the girls taking it more seriously than the other, or so it seems. It feels like Morgan had more of the say and was more influenced, and therefore more influential over Anissa. During their trial, Anissa pled guilty to being a party to second-degree murder, but was later found not guilty by means of mental disease or defect. Originally, Morgan accepted a plea bargain by which she would not go to trial, but would be evaluated by psychiatrists in order to determine how long she would need to spend in a mental health facility. She later pled guilty but was found not guilty for the same reason of Anissa. She was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia, the same affliction her father suffers from. Ultimately, the girls were sentenced. They were sentenced to time in a mental health facility, with Anissa being sentenced to 25 years to life, with at least three years locked in confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psych institute, followed by supervision until she turned 37. Morgan, on the other hand, was much harsher, and rightfully so. She was sentenced to the maximum penalty, 40 years to life, 
including supervision, re-evaluations, or re-institution for farther treatment. She'll require state treatment until she's 53 years old, or until she has improvements of her symptoms, whichever comes first. In 2018, a judge sentenced Morgan to not just 40 years to life, but 40 years in a mental health facility. She may have the option to appeal for release, but she will be monitored by mental health professionals until her sentence is up. Naturally, something of this nature is going to have some long-term ramifications. Following the events, the Waukesha School District banned the creepypasta site from their network, which makes sense. With the sensational nature of the case, surely other kids would look into Slenderman, though they could just do that from home, but you gotta do your due diligence. It also brought up a debate about the impact of the internet on children. Russell Jack, yes, that is his real name, the Waukesha police chief said that the stabbing should be a wake-up call for all parents, and that the internet is full of information and wonderful sites that teach and entertain, but it can also be full of dark and wicked things. Another law enforcement official from the FBI believed that the internet was a black hole with the ability to expose children to a more sinister world. He suggested that parents monitor and keep track of their kids' browsing history, which, I mean, makes sense again. Sheer Chess, an assistant professor of mass media at the University of Georgia, had a little bit of a different approach though. Her stance was that creepypastas were of no harm, and really no different than stories of vampires or zombies. She even claimed that creepypastas and sites like them could be beneficial as they help people hone their writing skills, and it nourishes their creativity. In all honesty, I do agree with that. You can't blame an entire community because one or two people interpreted it as a certain way, especially when those people suffered from mental disorders. The creator of Slenderman made a brief statement about what happened to Peyton. Quote, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin, and my heart goes out to the families of those affected by this terrible act. End quote. Furthermore, the creepypasta site admin said that the stabbing was an isolated incident and that it did not accurately represent the creepypasta community. He went on to say that the website did not condone murder or satanic rituals. Which, I mean, yeah, it would be weird if they did condone that. As is often the case with tragedies, there can be a light at the end of the tunnel. Members of the creepypasta community banded together and held a 24-hour livestream on YouTube to raise money for Peyton, and to also raise awareness that the community, the site, or anybody involved with it did not condone real-world violence just because they write about it in fiction. Again, something I totally get. Nobody's tearing down Stephen King's door because of killer clowns, or whatever. I mean, I've written a few horror novels myself, and I've never hurt a fly. That's not true, I've killed a fly or two, but you know what I mean. Now, that wasn't the only community event put together to raise money for Peyton. The city of Madison stepped up and held a one-day Bratwurst festival in honor of, well, Peyton. The event was run by over 250 volunteers and ended up raising over $70,000 for Peyton Lutner. 70 grand. Covers one night in American hospitals. I wish I was joking. Lastly, Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin, declared that August 13th, 2014 be Purple Hearts for Healing Day in honor of Peyton. He also praised her for her strength and determination. All in all, this was a tragic event that hit a number of communities quite hard. And honestly, it seems as though it was unavoidable. The two girls involved, Anissa and Morgan, were mentally disturbed. 
Of that, there is no question. And whether it was in the name of Slenderman or some other fictitious being, they would have committed some crime in a similar fashion either way. I don't believe this was a case of circumstance, or that the internet is bad, but just a terrible occurrence of mental instability that had gone unnoticed in two young girls. Thank you for listening. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show, so if you want a shout-out, that is the best way to do it. Also, feel free to join the Facebook group and chat with other Ominous Origins fans. You can do that at facebook.com slash horrorshots, which is the parent company of Ominous Origins. You can find me on Twitter as well at horrorshotsprod, as in production, or on Instagram at ominousoriginspod. There's also a Redbubble store available if you want to grab some merch, and it has some great stuff in it as well, other than just straight Ominous Origins or Horror Shot stuff. Feel free to check that out as well. The link for that will be in the description. And Acast, the network that I'm currently hosting the podcast on, has launched a supporter program. So if you want to donate at any point in time, you can do so by clicking the link in the description as well. That will be greatly appreciated, but absolutely not necessary. Any donations will be read out on the program as well. So, until next week...